How are you guys doing this morning? Well, I'm pastoring Memorial Baptist Church. Uh, it's actually in Seekonk, Mass. Uh, but it's great to be here with you guys, and, and I'll do a little something with you guys that I do every Sunday at my church. There's a passage out of Psalm 118 that says, this is the day that the Lord has made, and then let us rejoice and be glad in it. So it's going to be a little bit of call and response, okay? So I'll say, this is the day that the Lord has made, and then you guys will say, let us rejoice and be glad in it. You guys all right with that? This is the day that the Lord has made. Uh, That was the warm-up session. And I want you to actually think about what you're actually saying. That indeed it is the day that the Lord has made. You had nothing to do with it. The Lord made it. The only thing that the Lord is asking you, the only injunction, the only demand that the Lord is making of you is what? Rejoice and be glad in it. So now that you know, let's go at it again. This is the day that the Lord has made. And be yes, rejoicing will do in the day. Uh, this morning, I'm delighted to be here. It warms my heart. And before we get too far, and I don't want to waste too much of your time with you trying to figure out where is the accent coming from, where my name is Del Demosthenes, Delphin Demosthenes. I was born in Haiti. So whatever accent you're hearing, it's me trying to speak English, okay? (laughs) Um, uh, I'm married to my lovely wife, Francoise Himlin, and my son, Elijah, and she was of a British background. So when you listen to her, and, and our house, we have three different accents. That was me trying to speak English, and my wife with a perfect English accent, being British, and my son, who was born here, speaking with an American accent. So uh, now that you know uh, where my accent is coming from, you could free yourself to actually listen to what the Lord would have me to say. And this morning, it warms my heart to be with you, and I thank God for that opportunity. And I pray that the Lord will give me a word to speak to myself and a word to speak to you that will be edifying and uplifting and encouraging to you. And I thank Pastor Phil and his wife for this wonderful opportunity and for this wonderful ministry. Pastor Phil has been a great mentor to me. He had uh, been a source of encouragement to me. So I thank God for trusting me with the opportunity to address you this morning. And I thank Jason, Shane, and Steve, and for the hospitality, for guiding me through the protocol of this church, and I appreciate it. And additionally, I thank all of you for your promise, whether you vocalize it or not, your promise to listen to me for the next couple of hours. (laughs) I said, we agree, but we didn't agree for two hours. We agreed for maybe 30 minutes or something. Uh, Listen. I don't like wasting people's time because I realize time is the most important thing you have besides your relationship with God. So I like to use your time to share something that's of value to you if you're willing to hear it. And I pray that the Lord will use me to uh, speak to your heart this morning. If you have your Bibles, 
whether they're digital or not, or whether you're going to follow in the screen, I want you to open your Bibles uh, with me to the book of Isaiah, book of Isaiah chapter 43, uh, Isaiah chapter 43, and I shall begin uh, from uh, verse 14 on. I'll read quickly so uh, we could follow along uh, and get to the point uh, of the text. Verse 14 of the book of Isaiah. This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians and the ships and the ships in which they took pride. I am the Lord your Holy One, Israel creator your king. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea a pathway through the mighty waters, who drew out of the chariots and horses the army and reinforcement together, and then lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me and the jackals and the owls because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I form for myself that they may proclaim my praise. Yet you have not called on me, Jacob. You have not worried uh, yourself for me, Israel. Uh, we'll stop here, and then if you have uh, your Bible open, we'll go to the book of 2 Corinthians. Book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and uh, I'll be reading uh, from verse 11. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for our for God, if we are out of our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's loves compel us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, and all who live should no longer live for themselves. All who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and raised again. From now on, as we regard, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, Though we once regard Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. 
All this is from God who reconciled us to him through Jesus Christ, through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The word of God for God's people, we are eternally grateful. Uh, are you ready to hear from, uh, from the Lord this morning? Now, there was, a, there was an issue. Once you heard from the Lord, you on the hook. You got to do something about it. And, and I'm hoping that you're sincere in your commitment to hear from the Lord. And then once you heard from the Lord, and, and then we're going to make a commitment to the Lord to do something about what we know. Today is a new day. Today is a new day, but yet we don't often feel like it is a new day. We don't often experience it as a new day because it's Sunday, and then there, is a lot, there are a lot of familiar things about the day. So you may think that it's just like another day. It's just like the same day as yesterday, but that's not true. Today is a new day. Likewise, you are a new person today. You are literally a new person. You don't like seeing it. You don't like thinking about it, or you might not be aware of it, but you are a new person. Everything around us are new. Everything around us, including you, including the day. But the familiarities of those things make us think that they are the same. The Greek philosopher, Eurocletus, says something that uh, we'll see parallel of it in the Bible. It says, you cannot step into the same river twice. You cannot step into the same river twice, for other waters are continually flowing. You cannot step into the same river twice. Even though it seems the same, it feels the same, but it's new water that you're stepping into again. Yesterday feels the same as today, but today is different. Yesterday you were yourself, and today you are yourself, but you are a new person. You are a new person. You may not realize it. The only constant thing in life is God. The only thing that's constant that never changes is God. Everything else changes, including the ways in which God moves through the world, and, and including the ways in which God does things in the world. God is the only constant thing. But yet, the manifestation of God, the work of God is done differently every day. You know, in the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, we are told that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. The mercies of God are new every morning in your life. Great 
is the faithfulness of God because God's mercy is new in your life every day. God's goodness to you is new every day. God's work in you is new every day. So therefore, I want to talk to you about this topic. God is doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing. Do you perceive it? God is doing a new thing in the world. God is doing a new thing in the world. Do you perceive it? God is doing a new thing in you. Do you perceive it? God is doing a new thing in you. Do you perceive it? Do you see it? Do you acknowledge it? And lastly, God is doing a new thing through you. Through you. Do you accept it? Oh, I don't know about that. We'll get to that point later. Because it's not, it's wonderful to know what God is doing, but it's also better to know what God is doing and then accept it as he's doing his work through you and in you and the things that he's doing in the world. You know, one of the characteristics that I'm learning from God is that God is a reconciler. God is in the business of reconciling things back to their old self. God is in the business of restoring things. God is in the business of repairing things. So, but yet, the ways in which God repaired things, the ways in which God restored things are different every day. So the work that he's doing in the world right now is the same work, but it's looking differently than the ways in which he did it 2,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago, and the way he will do it tomorrow. But it's doing the same work. God is doing the same work. What is that work? That work is after our forefathers, Adam and Eve, after their sin and transgressed the laws of God, God has been in the business of reconciling the world back to himself. So I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. God is reconciling the world. But from the ways in which he did it with Abraham, it looked different. From the ways in which when he called Moses, it looked different. From the ways in which he dealt with the people that we found in the text of Isaiah, it looked different. God told them, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, as he said at the beginning of chapter 43. As we pause here for a moment, you know one of the ways that God brought, one of the reasons why God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt was so they could properly worship him. It wasn't just for their comfort, but their comfort will come later. But the main reason why God brought them out of Egypt, so they could worship the Lord. So, and we told out of Isaiah, the ways in which God brought them out of Egypt was, he says, he brought them through the waters, and he ended up uh, doing away with the armies of the Egyptians. That's what he did. So now the children of Israel who are in Babylon, who are being subjected to the domination of the Babylonians, they begin to be worried. Is God only did God work back then? They begin to worry, is God going to deliver us? Is God capable of delivering us? And the Lord says, do not be afraid, do not worry. Do not be afraid, do not worry. I will deliver you. It says, he, he told them about 
how he journeyed with them. His, their, old, uh, their ancestors, how he journeyed with them. He says, through, I made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew the chariots and horses and the army and the reinforcement that lay there never to rise again and extinguish snuff like a wick. He says, this is what I did when I was bringing your forefathers, your foremothers out of Egypt. That's what I did. But I don't love them more than I love you. I love you just as much. And I'm going to deliver you as I did for, as I deliver them. But what I want you to do is forget the things of the past. Forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. Forget the things of the past. Do not dwell in the past. One of the quotes that I love is from John Fox, who, who's, uh, I heard it, many people said the same thing, but I heard it when uh, he had just left his coaching job from the Denver Broncos, and then he was with the Chicago Bears. And then they were interviewing him about, uh, and they, they were asking questions about the past and so on and so forth. He says, the past is like using your rearview mirror in the car. It's good to glance back and see how far you have come, but if you stare too long, you will miss what is right in front of you. The children of Israel is in this situation. They knew about what God did, but if they stay too long thinking about how God did what God did and expect God to work the same way, they'll crash into their future. It's just like, pay attention to where you've been and how God did it, but don't dwell in the past and expect God to do the same work the same way because he's going to do it differently. So sometimes we fail to see the work of God in the world because we're looking for old paradigms. We're looking for old models. So therefore, when the work of God is not comporting, is not conforming, is not aligning with the things of the past, then we say God is not doing anything. He's doing work in the world. You know, many times we look, the situation you're looking at right now, how do you know God is not using that situation to reconciling the world back to himself? How do you know that? Now, the scientists could tell you whatever they could tell you. They could tell you, okay, well, this is, this is problematic, this is this. That's true. They're looking at it from their scientific perspective. They're looking at it from their scientific perspective, and then they're giving you the scientific judgment. The economists might tell you, okay, all those issues, you know, uh, from, a, from their perspective, they're not good, okay? That may, what they're saying could be true. But who to say that the maker is not doing a new work to reconcile the world through himself by going through that process? Who to say that? The social scientists might tell you, oh, listen, there's too much fluctuation in the world. There's too much movement. There's too much this. There's too much that. From that lens, it's true. There are too much. But who to say that it's not a way God is using to reconciling the world back to himself. God is God, you not. And God is God all by himself. God could do whatever he wants to reconcile the world back to himself however he wants to do it. 
whether you want to believe it or not, whether you want to accept it or not. So I'm challenging you, my brothers and my sisters in Christ, listen to all those commentators, but don't stay there. Ask yourself, what could my God be doing new in the world through these circumstances? It is important for you to, to add that perspective. The world doesn't have it, but you do. So when you get all excited and only parroting the commentaries from a scientific perspective, the commentaries from a social perspective, the commentary from a psychological perspective, the commentary from, from an a, a, a economic perspective, you're missing on some critical things that the Lord might want you to do and say out of that situation. We are God's ambassadors. Okay? The world needs us to tell them what God is saying, what God is doing in that situation. It doesn't make sense to them. It should not make sense to them until we explain to them what God is doing. So what I'm saying is this. The Lord is doing a new thing in the world. Do you perceive it? If you can't perceive it, if you don't perceive it, then you're going to join with the rest of the world blaming God for something that is doing to transform. What is God's purpose out of the world? God is using anything and everything to reconcile the world back to himself. That's his number one purpose. Number two, God is doing a new thing in you. God is doing a new thing in you. Do you perceive it? What is God's purpose? God is a reconciler. God is reconciling the world in the, uh, to himself and, and, and you being a child of God. Now, if you're not a child of God, close your ears because what I'm about to say does not uh, relate to you. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, Paul says, if, he didn't say whether you join a church, he says, if you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, guess what? You are a new person, a new creation. You're under new administration. Oh, I could, I could preach this. You're under new administration. You're not the same person anymore. You say, well, that's my old personality. Buried it. You say, well, that's my buried it. Because you're under new administration. You are a child of God. You belong to the Lord. You are dead to yourself. Paul says, if. <laughs> I've never seen a dead body have preferences. I've never seen a dead body telling me, okay, well, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. A dead body just go along with it. See, I say sometimes we are Christians. We have the name Christians, but we don't behave as Christians. Christians dead to themselves that belong in Christ. Paul says, the life that I live now is Christ living in me and through me. You are a new person. You can't continually act the way you used to act before. You don't belong to yourself anymore. Some of you have owned businesses. Some of you have worked in businesses that have been acquired. And you know what happened when that new administration shows up. That changed the name, that changed whatever it is. Some of you have owned houses. How crazy would it be for you to go back to your old house you sold 
and then go to that owner and says, I don't like that new painting. I don't like that new landscape. I don't like what you're doing there. You may have your opinion, but it's none of your business anymore. So a lot of the stuff we're saying, we're doing, is nonsense. It's non-questions. Once you belong to Christ, you are a new creation. The old things have passed away. What is Christ in the business of? Reconciling the world to himself. So what is your purpose now? What is your goal now? Stop running around trying to figure out your purpose in life. Your purpose in life now is you are in the restoration business. You are in the repairing business. You are in the rec reconciliation business. That's what you went to. Because that's what your father is into. That's what your owner is into. You might not have been into it before, but you're in it now. So whatever job you got, whatever possessions you got, whatever things you own, Christ will leverage those things to repair the world. Christ will leverage those things to reconciling the world back to himself. That's, what, that's why you have those things as stewards. And then whatever bad habits you got, whatever you got that's not of Christ will be removed. God, is, God will chisel out of you anything and everything that's not of God. Just like a good sculptor. A good sculptor will do what? Whatever the medium that they're working with, whether it's wood or stone, they will see a beautiful element within that stone or within that wood. And then they'll go about, those who don't see it, will see them doing some work and says, what are they doing? Why are they cutting all this good piece of wood? It's not good because of what's inside. You guys don't get it. God will sculpt out of you. God will chisel out of you anything that's not himself. So Christ could shine out of you. So whatever bad habits you got that's not of Christ, he will remove it so the light of Christ could come through you. So God is doing a new work in you. Now if you see yourself being changed, if you see yourself being challenged as before, that's the chiseling process. That's the pruning process. So the characteristics of Christ could come out. Don't fight it. God is doing a new work in you. Do you perceive it? So when you see your habits are being changed, when you see you being challenged, that's the work of Christ. So the characteristics of Christ could come out. Before, you used to get angry. You used to curse people. You know, we don't want to admit it. Your language was not always of Christ. Your habits was not always of Christ, right? Yes, you may have said yes to Jesus, but the sanctification process, oh, that daily living things is a chiseling process. Oh, if you're going through it, you know what I'm talking about. Where Christ comes to you and says, listen, 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 listen. You've converted, you've converted uh, maybe your house, your children, but you have not converted your purse yet. You have not converted your tongue yet. You have not converted your profession yet. You have not converted all the stuff. You converted some stuff. You guys know what I'm talking about? In order for you to look like Christ, to smell like Christ, to talk like Christ, to appreciate Christ, guess what you got to do? You got to remove anything and everything that's not of Christ, even though there may be good things from the world perspective. Listen. The sculptor get rid of a lot of stuff. 
so they could end up with that one thing that they want. Christ wants to be that number one thing in you. He wants you to look exactly like himself, smell exactly like himself, and do the work exactly the way he would do it. Guess what business Christ is into? Reconciling the world to himself. That's what he's into. So you want to know your purpose in life? You know, you don't need to read a lot of crazy books. What is your father's into? Reconciling the world. He will use anything and everything. Lastly, Christ is doing a work through you, through you. Do you reconcile it? Do you accept it? He's doing a work through you. You know, there are a lot of things that did not bother you before, but they begin to bother you now. There are a lot of things, there are a lot of forms of injustice in the world that did not bother you before. But now you can't rest comfortably seeing those things anymore. There are a lot of wrongs that did not bother you anymore, but now you can't sit comfortably seeing those things. That is Christ doing the work in you and through you. Okay? The job he gave to you, before you used to complain about uh, all this cursing, all this, all that going on in the place, and sometimes you used to joining all this whining and complaining. Now Christ is saying, guess what? You are my double agent. <laughs> you are my double agent. I'm paying you, placing you in that place so you could flip that place. You guys don't get it. Any good service, any good service, whether they're American, whatever the special names they have for them, I'm not going to get into those things because you guys are more familiar with me. But what you know about those things, they place double agent in those places. They look like it. They act like it for the most part, but they're not it. So you may have thought that you're there to do some work. That's true. At what, for what purpose? To reconciling that place back to God. It doesn't mean that you run, grab your Bible and start, rather than doing the work, and start preaching like I'm preaching. It doesn't mean that at all. But what it means is that you're a double agent. You got to use whatever they're into. God is infinite. God is infinite. Whatever they're into, there's a connection to God from that thing. Whatever they want to talk about. They want to talk about, you know, uh, you know uh, the financial terms. Talk about it. Where's God in it? They want to talk about, you know, the boss, you know, not being fair. That's true. Talk about it. Where's God in it? Make the connection. You are an ambassador for Christ in that place. The family that God gave you, you know why he gave it to you? So you could reconcile the world back through that family. The good looks that God gave you, guess what? He gave it to you so you could tell people how beautiful things that God made, how, how great God is as a creator. Use all of it to advance the kingdom of God. That's the work that he's doing through you and for you. Now, you see, Paul says, and Philippians, whatever was important to me, his socioeconomic status, his training, his uh, religiosity, Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, he discarded all those things when he found Christ. He discarded all those things. So as we bring this thing to a close, you know, I could have talked 
for another hour or two, but I'll respect uh, order. There is a saint from our Catholic brothers and sisters who recognize what it means to accept the call of God on his life. And that was the saint that we know as St. Francis. St. Francis, in a prayer, says this. Wherever there is hatred, it says, first of all, it says, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Make me an instrument of your peace. I'm not going to uh, complain about the wars that are going on in my family, in my community, in my world. I'm not going to complain about it in the same way the world is complaining about it. It says, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Make me an instrument of your peace. So wherever there is hatred, as your instrument, and I know you're doing a work through me, let me so love. Wherever there is injury, wherever there is injury, wherever there is wrongdoing, wherever there is transgressions, oh, the world is filled with transgressions, even in our own family. It says, let me be that instrument that bring pardon to those places. Wherever there is doubt, let me be that instrument that bring faith. St. Francis goes on to say, wherever there is despair, you don't have to be a psychologist. You don't have to be in the business of psychotherapy. Your business of re restoration transcends all of those things. The world wants to tell you, stay in your land. Don't listen to them. Wherever there is despair, we got the message of reconciliation and the ministry of reconciliation. We got the message of hope. We've been sitting on it. We've been doing nothing with it. That's why the world filled those vacuums. Go around wherever there is despair. Bring hope to people's lives. It says wherever there is darkness. Oh, we see darkness. We talk about darkness. We don't like darkness. But what did Christ describe us as? We are the light. Stop hanging around with just light people. Go around where there is darkness so your little flicker of life could make a difference in people's life. So wherever there is sadness, oh, the world is filled with sadness. Let there be joy. Oh, divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console Stop making it about yourself. You know, any little thing, people say, oh, Lord, persecution, persecution. Oh, and it just is so self-consumed. The church has not made the defense that it could make because we're so consumed about ourselves. It says, wherever there is sadness, wherever there is death, let us go and console others. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we're receiving. Christ says, Christ is calling us, and St. Francis acknowledged that. He understood it. He accepted to be the bearers of God's love. So it is in giving that we receive. So we're going around and give. We're going around and give love. Okay? And then, here's the principle. Whatever you give will come back multiplied to you, Christ says. So you want love? Go out and give love. All of those things... The policy is, the rule is, 
once you initiate them, they're going to come back to you. So if you sow love, you're going to get more love. And there's another thing. You give out of your abundance. So if you practice giving hatred, guess what? You have more of that hatred in your, in your well. Then you practice giving love and joy and peace, and, and you'll have those things come back to you, plus more on the inside. And lastly, it is in pardoning that we pardon. It is in dying we are born to eternal life. I want to invite you. God is doing a new thing in the world. Do you perceive it? God is doing a new thing in you. Do you see it? And God is doing a new thing through you. Do you accept it? And if you do, let us go before the Lord in prayer this morning where you dedicate yourself to the Lord. You said earlier that if you heard from the Lord, you will do something about it. You've heard from the Lord. Now, let's pray and surrender ourselves to the Lord in a way that we've never done before. Because now we recognize that he's doing a new thing in the world. We recognize that he's doing a new thing in us. And we recognize that he's doing a new thing through us. And we're saying yes to the Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning to say thank you. We want to say yes, Lord, like Isaiah said. We want to say yes, Lord. That was that time. Moses said yes to you when you needed a leader. Samuel said yes to you when you need a leader. Paul said yes to you when you needed a leader at that time. We are in our time now, and you're looking for leaders. You said your harvest is plentiful. What's missing are workers. We're saying yes to you, Lord. Yes, to be the leader of our families. Yes, to be the leader of our communities. Yes, to be the leader of this church and this community. Yes, to be the leader of our world where those things are taking place so we could be that reconciler as you are. We could be the lover of God as you are. We could be the people who help restore the world back to its original state. It is in the name of your son, Jesus, through the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.